Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So, well, it's been uh, an interesting week, one in which I personally have been inspired and towards the beginning of this week was feeling kind of anxious and, and, and upset. And now I'm feeling a little bit more inspired and, and excited about how things are going. How was your week guys? Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah, I feel good. I mean, I, 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 uh, I know like, uh, Brian, I know you went to one of the protests I did too. And, uh, um, I, I, I just, it's, it feels like finally there is this sea change that I was saying to, um, my parents actually that like, it feels like a sea change where it's not just recognizing what's going on. It's like people, especially white people being forced to take into account that they have to be uncomfortable, us yeah. included. Mm-hmm. And you know, that feels wildly different from, from before to me. So I'm, I'm, I do, I, I agree. I feel like there's movement being made, you know, change it feels like change is being made and that like actual anti-racist policy will Mm-hmm. finally find its way to the light. I I have been feeling, um, I think for once, like I'm going to take the opposite side and not be the mm-hmm. optimistic one, go into like a more negative mm-hmm. side. I've been feeling oh, great. bummed, very bummed lately because I, ha- I think on one hand, I think I represent of the three of us, the faction that like the pandemic is still very scary to me. And the mm-hmm. idea of a large crowd is very, very, especially because of, you know, past cancer stuff and everything like yeah, your immune system is compromised enough that it's extra scary for you to have to put yourself in yeah. that. But, but even that just, I mean, danger, but even just like in general, people who have a fine immune system, but feel very sort of troubled with, they don't want to risk their health but at the same time they want to completely go out and support the cause. And it's Mm -hmm. like, there's this real conflict and I feel it even in myself, like I want to get more involved. So I do the things that I can do on my side to help cause and elevate. And then on the, the opposite side of that, I also think like, great. I love that all these white people are yeah, Like you're saying, finally sort of waking up and all of us are having these uncomfortable conversations. I just worry like, will it last? Because it's really fun for a lot of, I mean, I'm going to say it for a lot of white people, but for people in general to post a picture of them at a protest or to post a mm. boomerang of them with a sign in their hand. But Oh, how it, dare you? I posted at a protest, you <laughs> son of a bitch. But will it be as fun I think, from I think now? I it will. I, I do. It feels like, you know, it feels like even in comparison to before during like Ferguson or, you know, it feels like if you look at social media and maybe it's just me, but, but it feels like it, it's become more than just the idea of it happening. There being revolt, there being, you know, discussed, and then that happens and then it kind of fades away and, and it falls back onto the shoulders of black people who have to deal with it, you know, more than white people do. But this time I swear it does feel like systematically things are being upended and policies being challenged. Well, in Minneapolis just today, I mean, they dismantled the police department, or they voted, the city council voted to dismantle the police department and to reevaluate a security force going forward because the current police department, they say, is not reformable. It's not able to be reformed. It is too far That's gone. That's huge, right? And that is huge. And that is a part of sort of the systemic domino effect that potentially could happen with police departments across the country. And also, I think it's really important to remember, because a lot of, I see a lot of white folks, especially my, my friends in Missouri, who are saying, oh, we can't just get rid of police. And it's like, well, know the history of the police force. Police force were started to keep slaves in, in check, especially after the Civil War. And they were largely there to, to, meant to sort of keep black people in check or in the early days of slavery. So it's like this idea that we've always had a police force is not necessarily true, A. And B, the police is not just the one form of security in the world. Like the idea of a police officer, there are other forms of security in societies all across the world that we can actually implement. And I hope Minneapolis and other cities, but you know, like LA, everything. I mean, that's, that's the heart, that's at the heart of defund. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I, the I, think, in, I, I think um, I tend to take a more like moderate stance of like, I don't think it's a mutually exclusive. I don't think the idea of uh, a police force that isn't, you know, 
um, utilizing institutionalized racism in almost every turn while also protecting, you know, serving their duty to protect the citizens or citizenry is mutually exclusive. I do think both are, you know, uh, you can accomplish both, but you know, there could be some, some, you know, progressive and drastic steps that are taken to accomplish that, you know? And I think that's, that's what we all should be open to, but I'm, I am personally not someone who envisions that the end result is that there is, you know, no police force uh, in a city like Los Angeles. Well, I'm not saying that would not be my prediction. Saying a a radical revisiting of the idea of what it it means to be a police force. That's what they're doing here. They, well, they're trying. Didn't they defund the police by 125 million and reroute it to um, the black community? Isn't that what they're doing? I mean, I'll believe it when the money actually is deposited. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. And, and I'll, believe it. I'll believe it when police officers aren't s- s- shooting out tear gas at people just randomly on the street who are yeah, protesting. Right. Here well, they, made that, they made that a difference. To, uh, the, um, Newsom has enacted legislation now to um, keep peaceful protests from, keep police from using tear gas or uh, the rubber bullets, like at, at any peaceful protest, he actually enacted legislation today that I saw. So, I mean, I mean, I guess at, at the very least, like that's where I feel like I see ch- systematic changes. At, at the very least, they're like starting to push the you know boulder up the hill. I think. I hope. Sure. I just hope. I mean, I'll yeah. just say, like in Minneapolis, the chokehold was actually outlawed by the police force. The police right. weren't supposed to use it, and guess what? They still used it. So, right, right. a lot of a, a lot of good legislation and rules can do for a lot of people who want to go out and kill people. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah. Um, All right. Well, we'll take yeah. But uh, I know. Yeah. Let's I get know. let's get started. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. I don't want to be a downer. I'm just saying that, like, like legislation is good, and that is a good step to go down. I just think we need to like we can't just accept it as like, Oh, that's the great next step. Like totally. Be totally mm-hmm. on check about it. and be, be a little bit, you know, skeptical. Yeah. That's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. Yeah. All right. So let's begin. Um, in light of the, the recent, uh, a, a protests and stuff and stuff, uh, we do have some news coming out of grinder. Um, a statement released on Monday afternoon, Grindr has announced its, its decision to remove users' ability to filter out their matches via ethnicity, mm. a change that will take place, that will t- take effect after Grindr's next update is released. So previously, you could obviously search, you could search people via specific criteria, body type, ethnicity, height, that sort of thing. And it sounds like they're moving forward. You can no longer use ethnicity as a as a filtering factor. I Thank just you, Grinder. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it hasn't Thank been called you. for for a long time. I mean. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I can't believe it took, like, so, like, like civil unrest, yeah. mass protests, and corporate upheaval. And, like, you know, like, people have been talking this week about how Ben and Jerry's has put out the most um, active, uh, it feels like, a- a- reactionary responsible, you know, mm-hmm. call against injustice versus like SpaghettiOs and, you know, like, I don't know, Keebler elves or whatever that are putting out, you know, they're standing in um, solidarity with Black Lives Matter, but Ben and Jerry's is kind of taking it to another level. Mm-hmm. And when I saw, I saw this and I was just like, you know, these people, I, I just, we have talked we have spoken for so long on this podcast about these sort of just underlying inequities that mm. happen uh, specifically like among gay men, but sp- especially on Grindr. And, and I, I've always, you know, I personally have always been like, this is bananas because it's, it is clear racism. You know, it's yeah. like you can have personal taste, but you can also not validate that as racism as a person mm. or as a fucking hookup app. And the fact that it took this, to get them to be like, you know what, we're not, we're going to make it, we're going to make it such that you don't, you can no longer literally like block yourself from seeing black men or whatever. I just, it just, it just gets my goat, gets my goat, you guys. Here's here's my question. Do you think it will increase like the likelihood of people dating outside of their race? No, I don't think, I'm sorry. I was going to say, no, I don't, I don't necessarily think it will, but I think at the very least, I hope that it confirms the knowledge that there is no reason for you to 
say or announce your taste when mm. it's when it's just offensive. It's it's well, just, it's, it's I mean, to say it. It's it's mm. I, and it's also just wrong because you know the idea we've talked about it before. The idea of like having a racial preference is a learned behavior. It's a societally mm-hmm. learned behavior. It's not a biological re- sexual response to a certain ethnicity because it doesn't exist. It doesn't, that's not there. There's no science behind that. And so the fact that Grinder is sort of, I mean, I think there's, I think your question, Brent, about will this actively change people's dating habits and how they date and outside of the different races and stuff. I think that that is kind of not even necessarily the intent or the point. I mean, it's, it sort of goes to the heart of being actively anti-racist in that you can't stop racism from happening because I mean, you, you look at like Jane Elliott, the great sort of teacher who does a lot of sort of the anti-racist education classes and stuff. Oh, right. She's, she's and, like, she's like a Facebook famous. Yeah. Uh, well, she is now. I mean, she's been famous right, since right. the 60s. Like her experiment's right. huge. But she was on um, Oprah. She was she on was, Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah, she was on all the things. Like she's very yeah. famous. But her her sort of thinking is that every white person, because of the culture we live in, is racist. And so has racist tendency because of the culture we live in. And so if you then take steps to be actively anti-racist by calling out companies and people for doing these things, you can't stop someone from choosing not to date a black man and calling it a preference, right. but you can give it, you can not give them the option. Right. Yeah. Like that's, I'm reading that book, how to not be an anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw him, his name's Ibram Zendi. And I saw him speak, months ago at, at the at one of the museums here and it was just so eye-opening because there is such a difference between being not racist quote-unquote mm-hmm. and being anti-racist and he was he i mean his main point is that anti-racism is something you do mm-hmm. you know and it, racism always boils down to policy its policies are either racist or they're anti-racist even if they are quote-unquote you know went uh, um well, what's the, uh, 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 well-intentioned quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know? but like it, this is, this move by Grinder is anti-racist in the sense that it's undoing the policy yeah. that by, by all accounts was racist and yeah. had me pulling my hair out for years being like, like we've said, we've said it among our, among the three of us. Imagine if, the person who at a bar was approached by a black person or an Asian person mm-hmm. and, and the person who would say to them, I'm not interested in your race. Like mm. that's, no blacks, no Asians. It's just, yeah, you know, for what it's worth, uh, you know, I obviously don't use grinder anymore cause I'm in a relationship now, <laughs> but when I did use it, I mean, I remember one of the, common refrains on our podcast when we first started was blasting people that specifically would write on their profile, no blacks, no Asians, no this, no fatties, no this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I really do think I noticed towards the end of my usage of Grindr, it seemed like that open exclusionary rhetoric had sort of it dialed yeah. back a yeah. lot. It felt like it dialed back and, a little bit. Yeah, for and, sure. And I obviously credit our podcast exclusively <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with that success. But, um, oh so, you know, obviously I think that's, that's critically important for people not to be writing things like that. And then, you know, mm-hmm. removing a factor such that you could search via, I mean, at the end of the day, Tinder has no, you know, racial or height or any yeah. kind of requirements that I know of. Maybe if you join, do you think they, did, if they did, if I they think they did. did originally. I remember. I, I, I distinctly remember. I mean, I don't know, but I think years ago they did. I don't remember it, but it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't say distinctly one way or the other. Yeah. God, I wonder. If, no, I just wonder, like, if they did, would they get shit for it immediately? And I still, it's like I can't. Be, I just, I, I just can't believe it's taken this long for Grinder to, to undo, deeply racist policy in their terms of service or well know. i mean it, it does reflect i mean the thing is is like grinder was started by a, a white gay man and in the white gay male community there is a really uncomfortable conversation that is needed to have around air around race it's a big thing the fetishization of sort of different pe- people of color and it's a big deal so like it it did reflect i think the intentions of the culture gay white male community at the time when Grindr started. And as 
as time has changed and people have become more awake to these sort of the idea that this is actually being racist and these cultural norms that we once accepted because of white privilege are now actually very wrong. Mm -hmm. You make that, you make the steps to be anti-racist. You make the steps to correct yourself and go in a better direction. Yeah. Which is great. And now you guys know why I signed up for her. Not even joking. Oh, Judy, so good to see you. I love you guys. What's Judy up? Gold. Oh my God, we're so happy to have you. Yes. Now, Judy, I have to say, you have been brought up on this podcast pretty frequently, actually. Yeah. Really? Over the years. Well, because we. Oh all my God, I love are, you. Like each and every one of us, and I think I speak for all three of us when we say that you were an a huge influence on us. Oh. Just as like even just like baby comedian starting out like i remember in the watching you on vh1 like that is where oh my god like well well let me let me tell you my my judy gold story judy gold you know anyone who knows stand-up has seen judy gold on tv mm-hmm. and i was like i wanted to do stand-up and i was still in high school and one night i was like i'm just gonna go to the comedy club in my hometown on the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. And just oh, one night, I, I decided, to go, I decided yeah. to go down. To, I went downtown, I walked in, and Judy Gold was on stage. And I remember walking in and being like, holy shit, like every time you go to a club, a famous person is there? Uh, <laughs> no. I watched the show and I asked the owner, I'm like, hey, can I go up? And he's like, that's not how this works, kid. Oh my God. But that's sort of what started. But, I would have loved that. Yeah, oh, yeah, fun. I know. And I've just been a huge fan forever. Club. I mean, I've been I, a huge fan since, sorry, I didn't cut you off. No, it's fine. <laughs> he's I too like polite. It. He's too polite. Yeah. He's so no, cute. I, he's been, I've been such a big fan for so long and was lucky enough to be on your podcast. And I just, oh I my just God, love you're you. the cutest. I love you. <laughs> wait, wait, I have a Brent. Is that club still there? Yeah, uh, Comedy Showcase. Yeah, I, I don't know how it's doing with the coronavirus. It's changed locations, but it's doing great. Yeah. That was such a fun gig because the audience was so smart. They're, they're like, it's the perfect club to start at because it's Ann Arbor, which is a college town. Right. So they're liberal and they're smart. So you can like kind of do cool, funny, like maybe a little bit better than like dick joke stuff. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a really, it's a great club. Yeah. yeah. Were your parents professors? They weren't, no, they weren't professors, but we, oh. yeah, my dad worked for Ford. Uh, anti-Semitic Ford. <laughs> we're, we're a very anti-Semitic Ford family. Yeah, um, but yeah I mean, Ann Arbor is a really great town. Yeah, but but Judy, really Judy, tell us about you. How, how You're are in New you York, doing? right? Yeah, how, yeah. How well, I'm in New York this week because I was recording my book, the audio book. Mm. I'm sorry, what? Mm. <laughs> and, um, uh, so I, I was, I've been in Provincetown. Like, I literally left on March, I think, 14th thinking I was going there for like a couple of weeks wearing oh. the same shit. And I just yeah. got back last, last weekend. Wow. You and Kelly Ripa. Wow. Kelly oh, Ripa yeah. had the same thing. Oh yeah. We're very similar. And, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I was there and I was like, it's weird. I think I'm more depressed here mm-hmm. than I am only because everything's boarded up. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just so weird. And that yeah. fucking curfew made me so pissed off. It's like, yeah. don't fucking yeah. tell me when I can go out of my apartment, you fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> stop Trump, the racism. Fuck de Blasio, fuck them right. all. Fuck right. them all. I know. It's yeah. like, oh my God. People are yeah. angry because there's so much fucking racism. And, and that motherfucker, tri- I fucking hate that fucking piece of Literally, fucking shit. Literally, in, in, the, in the description of you for this episode, I put vocal critic of, in quotes, that motherfucker, Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, I hate him. I mean, can you like? It's any like. And what about wait? What about Lady G? <laughs> that's that's going to be on this episode. That's, yeah, we're, if we're, only we're, you yeah. guys could see Judy's joy in her oh face. Oh my god, she's, she's gleeful. Oh, <laughs> oh my wait. god, he that is because I had heard a story. Uh, years ago from like this. We're talking about Lindsey Graham, by the way. We'll, yeah. Yeah. He comes up in the this next kid, segment. This yeah. friend of mine uh, knew someone who uh, knew a therapist who was, this guy was like, you know, Lindsey just threw him aside and he was in therapy because mm-hmm. he had been, in a, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. And, diddling. Um, diddling. They were diddling each yeah. other. And so it's just like, you know what? 
I'm not for outing. You know what? I used to not be for outing people. But, but. now, now, first of all, if you're going to pass laws that are exactly. anti-LGBTQ, yep. right. and the other thing is, you're an asshole if you're not out. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know yeah. what? Like, it's just, you're so fucking ashamed. Yeah. Fuck you. Okay. Right. Can, That's can, your... the, the, the point, like, the question here is, like, are we allowed to assign to him that there's self-hating homophobia? And, and, and are we allowed to disagree with that? And then on top of that, are we allowed to say that because he potentially hates himself for being gay, mm-hmm. does that then give him a pass, which it doesn't, to no. enact gay, anti-gay no. legislation? No. no. You know no. what? And no. just it, and he's been accused of it, and he's like vehemently said, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. You're gay. Yeah. yeah. And right. there's nothing wrong with being no, gay. No. And nope. we don't want them. There's we nothing wrong. Yeah. No, we don't want them. I mean, and there's nothing wrong yeah. with being like a gay Republican. Like you can be a Republican dude and be yeah. gay. There's a whole right. community for you out there. Right. Dude. Like, it, it's, but he's a Republican who, like, I mean, he like tongues. Yeah. Trump's ass slowly. Oh my god! <laughs> Did you see? He has it around. Like, he has orange hair now. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. Yes, yeah. he dyed his hair orange. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh-huh. Wait. <laughs> that's ins- like not yeah, intentionally, no, but yeah. he just he got a dye job, and it's like weird. Yeah, and it's like it's Trump. weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bizarre. Do you follow Noel Caster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, do you believe all the sh- like the- he said that he has a thing on his nose from snorting cocaine? Do- oh, I don't. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> if I believe that. I don't know if I okay. believe that. Might just be like riding that train, that that yeah, viral right. train. That's I had the a, Trump. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend years ago who was a staffer for a senator. And I remember this is like a couple of years out of college. And I remember having a conversation with her where I was like, who's gay? Like who out of all of our senators who is gay? And she rattled off like a list of, you know, mostly single senators. But Mm -hmm. the number one, she was like, Lindsey Graham. Yeah. He's such a fag, Brandon. No. He's such a fag. It's true. No, it's true. Honestly, I worked for my first job ever in like politics was working for Senator Gene Carnahan, whose mm-hmm. husband beat a dead man mm-hmm. in no. Missouri. U.S. Senate, yes. Uh, John Ashcroft, or yeah, John Ashcroft lost. Oh, right, right, right. That whole thing. Right, right. And when you go there, they talk about, you know, all the potentially gay senators. And Lindsey Graham is always the first on the list. Always. Yeah. Do you think Cory Booker's gay? No, I don't no. think. No, I don't, I don't. People say that all the time. He's too I don't boring so. to be gay. I think. He's, I love him. He's the yeah. greatest. I mean, he's I very like smart. But I like he's him. Been, but he's, he's also been an outspoken advocate way yes. before. Yeah, way before it was cool. Yeah. He's you, a really good guy, Judy. When you, you um, your first album, your first album was Judith's, Judith's roommate had a had a baby, right? Right. <laughs> so I was playing that recently for my boyfriend because I, I still love it. I think That's I know it so by heart. Funny. And there's a part where you're talking about Joe Lieberman because I think it was recorded. Oh in like, yeah. It's like yeah. 03 maybe, maybe uh-huh. earlier than that. And it's wild because in in the in the piece you're talking about you're complaining about Joe Lieberman and like what kind of Jew he is, but then also you're complaining about cable news and you're like i can't there's so many things going on i can't you know oh right and it's so interesting because it's like it by now by today's accounts it makes it sound so tame yeah right oh that's right because that's when they just started those things on the bottom the chiron yeah yeah the chirons and i and they would put like and i'd be like wait a minute what's oh fuck you know wait i think it was after 9-11 i forgot about that Yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you think i mean one of the things that sort of strikes me before i got into comedy i always thought like yeah sure there's political humor but like not all comics are like political but it seems to be, especially as like I get older, like we get, we become more political. Like our right, comedy is, what is it about comics and politics? Because that's what the zeitgeist is right now. That's the elephant in the room. And it's like, we have a before, like what's on everyone's mind. It's right. like this fucking dumb piece of shit, <laughs> classless liar, homophobe, fucking racist, Failed businessman, tiny oh. fucking dick, narcissist piece of shit. Like, yeah. how can yeah. you not talk about that? How can you not yeah. talk about it? And you know, yeah. I'm done. This is the other thing. Like, it used to be like, oh, my friends, you know, I have these friends, my, you know, they're Trump supporters because of the economy. There's no excuse yeah. at this point. No. There's no, because 
the way he behaved. Like, why does character not matter for him? Yeah, I like, know. Anyone I else would be fired for their job. Anyone, anyone else. Yeah. Or canceled. Just canceled. Right, right. Public. And he, I don't know how, of all people, this guy, he's like the worst of earth. He's like mm-hmm. the shittiest of the shit. Right. He's and everything. He gets I don't get it. Yeah. I know. He's everything that people hate about America, right yeah. there. And yeah. now, I mean, a pandemic, kids in cages, mm-hmm. f- like riots. Yeah. I mean, it's talking about dominating American citizens in this in as yeah, dominating them with as, as protesters, you know. Right. That's, that's, and, that's and using troops against them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you ever all right, I've been around longer than you guys. I want, you know, the AIDS crisis. I remember the guys coming home from Vietnam, like in the late 60s. I remember sitting and watching. Ellie remembers that too. Girl. <laughs> Shut up. Um, but, you know, you have like, you know, AIDS and then 9 11 and like these school shootings. And it's like, this is like, it's like the perfect store. Like, yeah. and he's the president. Like, he's yeah. the fucking I know. You, yeah, we had, we had three really chill years where there weren't that many crises for three years. I know, he was so lucky. And you yeah. were like, are we going to get through four years? Hopefully he loses I mean, right. four years without any calamities. And now he's had like two and he shows his true colors. And I and it, I think it, needless to he say, I think no it really colors. scares yeah. some, he's uh, some previous... He's a fucking idiot. Right. He's I mean, mentally you have, ill and he's compromised. You think Putin's not jerking off every time he turns oh on like God. CNN? <laughs> <laughs> we have right. Doris Kearns Goodwin. To me, whenever Doris Kearns Goodwin, oh, I love her. I'm like, I'm like, I will shut up. I will listen. I will stop everything and listen. And she's comparing this year, this moment, to all of 1968. And I'm like, whoa. When she does that, when she takes you to that place, you know shit's serious. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's I, I love her. I love best. her. Oh my God. She's but like, my, a, speaking do of Do you like, think she had a facelift? She yes, of course she did. She had a facelift and fillers, but you know what? I'm here for that master class. Let's we go. We literally we, we talk on this podcast about Judy Gold number one, number two, Doris Kern Kearns Goodwin comes up like every three episodes. We talk really? About I, love yes. yeah, I love her. I love her reference to her. Mm-hmm. He's like, so fucking smart. Oh, I just had a question. Like in thinking about when you you mentioned like Columbine. I remember. I, I did you work on the Rosie O'Donnell show at the time of Columbine? When was was Columbine? Yeah, you would have. You would have because it was. Uh, you were there. Nine. Yes. Think. It was, yeah. So, yeah I wait, I did ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety. She changed so much after that. That's yeah. what I mean. I remember her talking. I mean, she's openly said like she had a nervous breakdown because of Columbine, and I wonder what that would how that affected you as a comedy writer on like what I is it normally not be. Wait, Columbine was 99. I was Yeah, 99. so I think and I, I was we're also on 99. Yeah. Yeah, mom, I think though, I was too. there. Yeah. Um Was that know, she, inter- was that cha- like I don't know if well, your friends with her. She just but, was depressed like she you know, because it was the the Rosie. It was so fun. It was so, and you know, she Lights was a beat. Yeah, and it was like, I mean, look, there'd be no Ellen. Come on, mm-hmm. without or there'd be all this idea of like pure entertainment. Mm-hmm. Then it's like the question you just asked: like, why are people political? It's like because at, at a certain point you can't ignore it, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. You know, it's like you're a mother and these kids are going in and it's, I can't, I I just cannot fucking believe what it's like. When I said this. I have to say, I said this on your podcast, Judy, but I want to say it here too. I so I of course knew your comedy before the Rosie O'Donnell show, and I was obsessed with the Rosie O'Donnell show. And on the episode with Madonna, when she came out holding the baby, and assuming oh, yeah. it, it was right after she had her baby, so everyone thought it was Madonna's baby. But in fact, Madonna was like, "This isn't my baby. This was it was your baby. Your it was baby. Your, right, it was your right, son. Right. Which son was it? I forget. Henry. It was Henry. It was Henry." Henry. It was Henry she's holding Henry and you come on and get him. I'm like, oh, that's the woman from VH1 I'm obsessed with. Like it literally. You know what's so funny? So she, you know, Rosie was like, oh, it's not, that's, but that's not your baby. It's, it's our, you know, Judy Gold. And I go out and then my mother, oh, like, no. my, no, my mother's like, now everyone is calling. Uh, <laughs> wondering, uh, uh, 
you know, if you if you were pregnant, and it, you know, it made her come out like, to, and oh she was God. so like, what am I supposed to say? I'm like that. Uh, I'm a gay, and Sharon had a baby. That's what wait. Can, can we talk about? So your relationship with your mom is like a huge part of your act. It's right. Not a I just um, had a dream about her. I took a nap this afternoon. Uh, I had a dream about her. All right, go ahead. <laughs> um, but like, can you, do, do you mind telling the story of how she said Judith's roommate had a baby? Cause I just think so, it's so amazing. It's um, the best. Well, that's what she used to tell people. Judith's roommate. <laughs> like when, like that exact incident was <laughs> Judith's roommate had a baby <laughs> and then Judith adopted it. And I was like, yeah, ma, uh, you know, I was like, wow. Uh, uh, wait, what was it? Uh, my roommate was walking down the street. She happened to have a, what did she say? I forgot the fucking bit, but I, it was so stupid that she yeah. thought people believed that shit. Well, I, was that like, that hurt with, cause it's, I mean, it is kind of homophobic, I, I guess. Or how did you, this how is did probably you a different era, right? Uh, well, I, I made fun of her for saying that because but first of all, my mother was born in 1922. So yeah, right, right. I had to be a little like, you know, and she never like didn't talk to me or right. didn't. You know what I mean? She, right, I never right. suffered. I mean, she didn't go to Henry's Breast. That was really bad. But other than that, she didn't. No, my mother and my like sister. out of protest. No, she said that Jane was <laughs> my sister was going to drive her. My sister's like, I have a meeting at work and I can't. It was. I'm sure it was because they were uncomfortable and they, oh my God. you know, I'm sure at the, that point they didn't think that this was their, you know, her grandson because yeah. I, it didn't come out of my body, whatever. Oh, wow. yeah. 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 So, um, but she came around after I said, if you don't start telling people you're never seeing Henry again. And that was the end of it. Um, oh my God. But, and all her friends were so mad at her. Priorities. Like my sister got married when Henry was like, 10 months old, nine months old. And the godparents lived down the hallway and they were at the wedding. And my cousin said to one of the, you know, got to Marjorie, they said, Oh, what do you, how, who do you know, who do you know? Or whatever. And she said, Oh, we're Henry's godparents. And my cousin said, who's Henry. And that was the end. And my aunt, I said, Ma, that's it. And all her friends and my aunt were like, Oh my God, we would have sent a gift. I can't believe your mother didn't tell us. But it was like, you know, she grew up on the upper West side. Like she was from a different generation. And like, she had this really good friend named Doris Kalish. I think she's in that album. Like she used to go, come on, Ruth, go to New York. Anyway. So Doris had this son, so gay, all right? And I used to see him at the gym and everything. And I used to say, Ma, why don't you tell Dorit? Like, you could talk about it with her. I'm not, if she doesn't bring it up, I'm not bringing That's... it up. I'm like, oh my God. You know, it's so crazy. I mean, I, I it's so wild, but like, you have you did a show called 25 Questions for a Jewish for a Mother, Jewish right? Jewish Mother, yeah. So obviously, your mom was a big part of Thank your you. act, obviously, and your history. And I mean, I find it so funny, not just because it's funny, but because there really is this wild universe universality to Jewish mothers and right. Jewish grandmothers. And when you talk about yours and when, when someone like Howard Stern or Seinfeld, when they talk about their Jewish mothers, there is, I mean, it's literally like they all, they all sound the same. Right. And my grandma yeah. too, like she wasn't by any means a hateful Republican, no. a Republican but she, <clears throat> wasn't even conservative, but there were these rules where I don't, I don't talk about, you know, like right. yeah. it just yeah. doesn't, you don't like, you don't, you don't air your dirty laundry, you know, like they all, they didn't talk about any, and I don't know about you, but there were so many secrets. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd be like, you know, like there was always whispering on the phone or my grandmother and my mother used to sit like Saturday, Sunday morning having breakfast. And it was like half Yiddish German and half, English. Like it was like Buck and Buck and Bernie right. and his head, and I'm like, what's going on? Oh, none of your business. It was always like it was always none of your business, and like uh, like you know, I'd find out someone died like two days later. I'm like, what is what is it? Well, see, I think you know, what's here? so funny. It's like I've and I've talked to you about this before, but like I have, a, my, I personally have a unique sort of like schism in that that Jewishness in the sense that like when I came out. You know, I was like, 
nervous about coming out to one set, my paternal grandmother, my maternal grandparents, who we were closer with, that's like, those Jews were like more, um, tuned in and not real. There was no secrets. Like there weren't any really right, boundaries. Right, right. Whereas on my dad's side, my grandma was more like conservative and like, you know, weird in that way. Like so assimilated com- in a way. Yeah, like, I, I guess yeah. she would talk about Flatbush and Brooklyn with such mm. nostalgia about knee right. highs. And when men did this for right, knee right, highs. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was just so funny. Cause I, when I came out on my de- mom's side, my grandparents were literally like, okay, great. My grandpa would literally cut, articles out of the paper about like HIV studies and prevention (laughs) and send them to me in the mail. But then on my mother's side, the Jewishness was like, we don't talk about this Um, unless he wants to talk about it. I I do think there's a difference. One of the things that I've noticed now having been raised Christian and then converted to Judaism later is that there's like this passivity to sort of like Christian Midwest sort of oh, yeah. the, the, the grandparents and the thing where you just sort of be nice and everything like my grandma, she was not, she was, she was, she was horrible. But then in her will, she like left me a fur coat and a subscription to the national Enquirer because oh I was, my the, God. because I no was, the, way. because I was the gay one that deserved it. And it was sort of like, she couldn't say that in life. She had to wait right. until she died to say it. Whereas yeah, they didn't, just right. say it. they didn't have words for things, you yeah. know, like they didn't know. And everything, because, you know, they knew gay people. And they, you know, and it was just, oh, she's just not married. She's a big lesbo, okay? I really, Judith, I really don't like that language. You know, and it was just, you never said anything bad about them. You know what I mean? Well, that's my favorite favorite part of being Jewish. And I think I've found that so much in your comedy in particular. Like the fact that you speak openly about being gay. Like it's not even, Mm -hmm. the way you talk about your sexuality is not, it's not like an announcement that needs to be made because you don't need to make an apology for it. Right. And I'm talking right. about for a long, you know, for, for as long as I've known your work. And when you talk about your, your, your wife or your, or your children, it's so deeply normalized because, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like, you never, it never felt like you needed to like lay it out for the audience. Right. Right. The right. Situation. It's like, no, you're a Jewish mom with a wife and kids. Right. Right. That's and how like, I that's watch. so helpful. I would always say, um, like sometimes when I realize, if I go someplace and I realize they didn't know I was a lesbian, I'd be like, oh, I have to tell, I'm a lesbian, so that'll make more sense now. <laughs> like that's the, oh, that's the only way, that's right. how I would say it. Oh, you need to know I'm a lesbian. And that was it. That would was be you, the, Were you out from, like, were you out on stage from Go? No, I used to just not say anything. Mm. Um, and then I started like in the early 90s, like talking about my my lesbian roommates and stuff. And then once I had a kid (laughs) once in not in the mid nineties, I really came out as a gay parent Mm -hmm. because I was just like, what kind of message is it? If first of all, the reason I wasn't out one was I didn't really have any material about it. Like, I wasn't going out to bars and, you know, me, I was like with Sharon, we had the most boring relationship. It was like, um, (laughs) and I had nothing to really talk about. I talked about my mother all the time, but, um, then when I had a kid, I was like, of course, everyone talks about the family. No one's telling me I can't talk about my family. And what kind of message is it to say like, okay, guys, we're not, I'm not, we're not talking about this in public. I was, that just pissed me off. Like that whole I don't know if we just, we might've discussed that H out like that, like all these people that came out after they made all their money yeah, yeah. and after oh. they were successful. And, you know, I used to host every gay thing like, mm-hmm. um, you know, GMHC and the mm-hmm. center and, and, uh, the glad media Award, like all this stuff. And then all of a sudden when it was convenient, all these, yeah, Nathan Lane select. finally right. comes out and they, gets all and the And then it's yeah. like, they don't call me for, like, I didn't even get invited well, to oh, the, the center off. dinner, the women's dinner. I'm like, oh my God, are you starting to And that's what pisses me off. I, and I, we did talk about this because one of the things that I think, I think you are a victim of sort of this, like you have Louis C.K. out there, you have Rosie O'Donnell out there, you have all these great comics from like the late 80s, 90s who went on to have these big shows and everything. they were given these opportunities and you were always authentically your Yourself and you really were never given that that that, that no. opportunity, and it pisses me off because 
we live in a society where, you know, gay people can't really advance like that unless, unless they weren't gay before they got famous. Well, I feel like a lot of it was anti-Semitism too, Mm, you know? And I had managers and agents like, stop with the Jew stuff, stop talking. And I'm like, you know, dye your hair blonde, straighten it. Like, just like, can you imagine what else are you going to talk about? And I, and for, I do have photos. I do have eight by tens. I, Oh, I should have taken them out. Um, with, uh, (laughs) where I have straight blonde hair. I look like a newscaster. And I'm like, you know, and then I was like, what, that's part of why I love doing 25 questions for a Jewish mother. Cause I was like, Mm -hmm. fuck you. This is who I am. Like, don't tell me. And it's like, it's everything. Like they were doing the, the, uh, when Amy Schumer was pregnant, they were doing a, um, New York times was like doing an article about how all these comedians are, you know, getting on stage pregnant. I was like, I did that like yeah. 18 years ago, right. 18 yeah. years ago. I yeah. was doing the stupidest jokes. I would pour water between my legs and be like, Oh my God, I'm sorry. Or like, <laughs> I would be like on stage and go like, oh, you know, and you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, I don't, I was doing this shit. I don't know. It's like when you're the first, when they're not ready, when it's like, whatever. And I don't want to be a Vicky victim. I just want, I I just wish I had the money, but I don't want to be a victim. But New York times like has numerous times, numerous times has called me the most underappreciated comedian in New York. It's true. It's very true. And you have a new book. So that's pretty awesome. And something that should be celebrated. (laughs) Yes, I can say that. Oh, you want to say it? I also have the weirdest luck. Like I just, right before the pandemic, I got cast in a Broadway show and I was (gasps) so excited. No way. Yeah. I swear to God. And Elisa, wait, I got to show you this. Oh, the director of the movie. First of all, um, so I get cast in this Broadway show yeah. and I'm so excited. And I say to my, my agent and my manager, I go, well, knowing with my luck, the theater will burn down on the first preview night. <laughs> oh, oh my God. So anyway, it's like the second week, <laughs> second week of March. Right. And Elisa's like, I have a present for you. I have a present for you. And she comes over and it's this. It's a pillow. Broadway bound Judy. Judy. And like, right as I'm opening it, the phone rings and it's my agent going, hi. <laughs> um, my God. Bad news. They're putting it on hold. And I'm like, oh my God. I can't. Oh, no. What was the show? I, if we're allowed to ask. It's in the fucking plastic. Um, <laughs> are the shows going to come back? Or are they basically, uh, does, is everything kind of like. Well, I think that. I th- oh, I think they'll come back, but I think like yeah. for some shows, it's going to be hard to raise the money now because I think people have less money. This was a show. This was uh, last summer at Bluefish Cove, mm. directed by Cynthia Nixon, produced by Lily Tomlin and Jane Wagner and oh, wow. Alan yeah. and Portia. Okay, wow. I was like so excited. Yeah. It'll come back. It'll be, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll come. Oh, shut up, Brent. <laughs> I have to ask you. I know we we, we kind of glazed over it for a second, but we I, Elliot glazed over it. <laughs> Wait, yeah. I have to though. When did, how when you when you straightened your hair, like what is like? It, there is such a thing when you see Jewish women mm. who straighten their hair. Sometimes it is literally the saddest sight. Oh, it was you just you just see the sad like the sadness in that fucking like right. Like, oh, that <laughs> that yeah no mine mine took to it really well. I mean, it would start it would start curling up if yeah. any humidity. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about that when the, with the thick Jufro when they yes. do it and it's like, <laughs> it's so oh, depressing. I it's so depressing. I mean, <sighs> I, I remember I hosted, what did I, I used to have, it was like the late nineties. I was hosting, I hosted talk soup and all this mm-hmm. other shit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Hey, I'm really good. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It does. I mean, I used to like, I used to like push my sister to straighten her hair, and she would like, she would straighten it, and like, (laughs) I feel awful about it now because I was like, that looks great, you know. And she's like, Oh my god, my hair is naturally curly, and I'm like, but it looks so good. But like, why do you just? It sounds. This sounds. This sounds awful. But it's like it doesn't feel like until the last five to eight years that having curly hair 
was seen as anything other than like cookie or like yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like that's it's not so fair true. it's so true it's recent yeah. where you, uh, people uh, are like and people are like oh i wish i had curly hair i'm like yeah it's, it pissed me after chemo my hair like got really flat and it was really oh wavy God, and always with before. the fucking cancer it's so annoying <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Brent! Sorry, I didn't mean to send you off. <laughs> oh, I just this, this is a bit of a tangent, but I want, also wanted to talk about one of my favorite jokes that uh, of yours, Judy, if you don't mind. Oh yeah, you, of you talked about going over to your mom's house with your kids once. You go over to your mom's house. You go. Oh. You're like, my mom's in some room depressed. Right. And then you say your son runs off and you hear them laughing together. And you're like, oh, right. do, you, do you want to finish it for me? Oh, yeah. I think it was that my mom was in the room with the shades down. Because God forbid <laughs> there should be direct sunlight that might elevate her mood. And um, yeah, my son runs in there and they're laughing. And I walk in and sh- they're taking each other's blood pressure. Like that's... <laughs> Like that's, that's a their kid. Bonding. That's like something you do with a kid because she had no toys. I also remember, I remember in that joke that you described that she, you went in the room and she had the the, the curtains drawn and her, I think you said, and her six glasses of water. Of water. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I do that now. I have a glass of water oh in every God. fucking room. Yeah. I think about I that. Yeah. All over the house. I'm like, Ma, what's with the water? Like, I know. I've never finished a glass of water. I just yeah. pour glasses of water. Yeah, I have like four of these around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, so now, who, now um, <laughs> was it Ben who just graduated high school? Yes, he's going to oh Tulane. He's going to play Division wow. One basketball. Wait, Tulane, you said? Yeah. Oh, and congratulations. Thank Hen- you. Henry also, is it Henry who, yes. uh, when I was last in New York, he was like, when you're in town next, come do a spot on my show. Is he a comic? No, no, he was uh, managing and producing and waiting tables at Westside Comedy Club. Okay. Um, So he was like assistant manager, but he was producing a lot of shows. And now he just got a job. He's going to be working on the Drew Barrymore show. She has a daytime talk. Oh, oh, that's awesome. You are the best. You have the nicest boys. Like, they're so... I've met met them a few times. And I remember last time I was in New York, we were doing a screening of Latter-day Jew. And we didn't plan this, but I was going to a bar after the screening. And you just walked into the bar randomly. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And Henry was with me, wasn't he? Henry was there, too. And literally all the girls I was with was like, who's that? Oh my God! Yeah. He gets so yeah, so much attention. He's easy on the eyes. That one. He, is, he has a girlfriend <laughs> so now, cute. though. They're, they're like really cute boys. Yeah, I know, and not not genetically nothing, not a cell because <laughs> not because the sperm donor for Henry, the, we use the the all of the sperm, and then they asked him if he would donate again, and he said no. So they have different sperm, but they're such brothers. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always I always said that if I had kids, I would definitely want to have like adopt a kid because I don't want the kid to come to me when he's 12 years old being like I look this way because of you right, I, don't, right, right. Yeah, I don't want right. that you know what I mean yeah. this, is, this might be a little bit of a general question but I've just because I've never heard you really talk about it but did you face did you did you face like challengers or or like was it hard to be um, a gay mother oh my of, god of boys especially well I think I'm a boy mom uh, mm. so I'm lucky for that uh What's that mean? I'm just so like, let's go out and play ball. I'm just, yeah. they, mm-hmm. I'm a, you know, I just like boy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was, there's so many things that were hard um, having to deal with, you know, bureaucracy. Like I had to call, I remember, you know, when Henry was in kindergarten, they'd have paper, you know, like he'd go to school and be like, name of mother, name of father, you know? So then I finally called, I talked to Christine Quinn, who was, mm. um, the speaker, deputy of the attorney, oh, speaker or, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something or the city council. And, speaker of city yeah, council. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, she, you know, she helped to get that change. And then, um, it, it's, you know, I was just talking about this with someone, you know, when you, when you're a gay parent and you have kids, your kids have to come out every day too. Mm-hmm. You know, because people just assume they have a mother and a father. So they also, it's like, you know, with Ben, especially how tall is your father? And he's like, I don't know. Um, (laughs) But so you have to teach them to be kind, but firm, you know? Mm. And so I actually wrote an article for Huffington Post when Ben got his tonsils out and 
they kept calling. I mean, we had filled out these papers. We had changed the like black pet. I took them to the doctor and they were looking at the, the nurse at the checkout, you know, whatever was looking mm-hmm. at the forms and it's like, um, well, Oh, so who's the real mother? And I, in front of Ben, and I said, first of all, you're, are you asking who the biological mother is? That's me. And don't ever ask that question again. Yeah. And I wrote an article because, you know, we had changed every art. I had to correct everyone from the hospital staff. They weren't even going to let Sharon in the, um, you know, I saw a husband and what they're like only one person. And then I saw a husband and wife go in. I go, well, why do they get to go in? And they're like, oh, well, they're married. I said, well, we're, well, we weren't married, but I said, we're mm-hmm. a couple. We're both the parents. Yeah. Um, and it was just always fighting like that. And then I went out to get Ben ice cream and the hospital called for a follow-up after I had corrected every paper, told every single person. And they called up and said, is your mother or father home? <laughs> and that was the end. Oh, and he said, awful. mommy, I didn't know what to say. What do I, and I said, and I wrote this article and they ended up using it uh, at New York Presbyterian. The, the head, oh. the president of New York Presbyterian wrote to me and apologized. They wow. had a seminar and they yeah. used that article to um, all great. over the country to mm-hmm. doctors and, you know, to. That's great. But it's just annoying. It's like. Yeah. Everyone makes assumptions. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah, but think about like, I mean, especially with everything that's going on right now and sort of the whole culture of sort of toxic masculinity, you are like putting out into the world these two oh, socially aware boys. Yeah. That will, you know, yeah, and they're fine. so straight. Like I asked the girlfriends, I go, are they different than... <laughs> and um, I said, are they different than other guys? And Henry's girlfriend is like, oh my God, he doesn't stop talking about his feelings. It's so annoying. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's true. And like Ben oh. is such a good... Like they are around women. Like they know how to treat women. They also don't think women are in capable of doing anything of course, you know right right, right. oh my god um it's just they're, they're amazing they're little soldiers i know yeah. i love you, you know. <laughs> judy we love you so much i love you, you guys so i want to come back thank can you come back? Back? Yes, yes of course yes. open right. invitation is what the goldberg would say open invitation yes. before, before we go we have to say everyone go buy judy's album conduct unbecoming it's yes. great get her new book yes oh, i can say that Yes, I can say that. When they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. And and my podcast, Kill Me Now. Yes. 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 Wonderful. Oh, thank you, thank you so much, Judy. I, I love you guys. Right. I love all of you. I can't <laughs> wait to hug you soon. Okay, see you soon. Yeah. And another thing. So uh, this week in the news, there's been, not in the news, but just in um, in general, there's been a lot of talk about Lady G. Uh, I'm not talking about that? Graham. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I'm talking. I was going to talk about Lady Gaga, um, but just because, how can we not? Point how can we out, not? How can we not? I, I, I'm, are you obsessed with the Lady G Lindsey Graham kerfuffle? Yes, I am. I think it's. I mean, I think it's. So, Ellie, do you want to explain the background? Yeah. yeah so basically, this. I think again, I'm going to say porn star. I sex worker. Sex worker. Sex worker. Okay, sex worker. Uh, a gay sex worker made a claim about, without, without naming Lindsey Graham, basically called out Lindsey Graham for being, um, you know, infamous in DC for hiring gay sex workers or male sex workers, you know, forever, basically. And it's pretty, and also they were, he wanted to and um, solicit other gay sex workers to tell their stories. Um, and they were and the calling, sex worker claims that they, they all sign non-disclosure agreements when yeah. they hook up with Graham. Right, right. Uh, and they were calling him Lady, they, they, it was tr- uh, trending as um, his, his sort of code name is Lady G, like LG. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, I mean. Which again, is a I'm great, just, I mean, that is a great nickname. That is a, a wonderful great nickname. nickname. Yeah. It is. And I just, if, you know, a lot of people, including our, our you know, us, have said, you know, it's not so much about like, People want to. People initially want to be like, "Well, how dare you try to out somebody before they're comfortable doing so?" Mm-hmm. But in this case, and I think the reason so many people are like, um, 
you know, sort of frothing at the mouth. It's like he has enacted so many and, and pushed for so much anti-gay policy and legislation while also not just being a Republican, but like, yeah. like hunging Trump's Being ass. the number one lapdog for, for Trump, right? Yeah. yeah. So people are just ready. They're just, you know, everyone's just like ready to see him get outed because he's just, I mean, I think, I think he's detestable. Yeah. And I still, yeah, of from, those, from those Kavanaugh hearings, the way he put down Christine Blasey Ford in that political, like, yeah. one lady show was just, just yeah. abhorrent. Just abhorrent. Yeah. I mean, he lost all, any chance of any sort of redemption for me after sort of turning and becoming so sort of just like a lover of Trump and not, yeah. no pun intended there, but like, like there's a massive Trump support, even because but during the election, he wasn't. And then, after Trump no, got he elected, wasn't. he shifted and he was more of a McCain Republican in a lot of ways. And then, then he shifted and he became this mm. monster thing. And it's it's and so now it's like sex workers come out, please call him Lady you G. Know, I'm surprised there aren't, you know, I, I've always obviously I think Alan has previously taken the stance on this podcast. He does not think Lindsey Graham is gay, but I suspect that Lindsey Graham is gay, and I know I've also always suspected that Tom Cotton, another very conservative senator, is gay. And is Tom Cotton in a relationship? He is in a relationship, but he got married right before he ran for Senate. He was a, oh. a lifelong bachelor before that. And I don't he think got he's married to a DC socialite. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how do we, I don't really think they lived together before they got married. Anyway, it, it's all, it's all fun. It's like silly, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, but I'm just surprised in the age of like the ability to hide cameras everywhere that there I aren't, know. there isn't, well, and that's some also some footage of someone fucking Lindsey Graham. Even that, you know? even even that, like, yeah, sure, you might have signed an NDA, but at the same time, like, we live in a world where you can get around an NDA real quick. Right. Like, right. why hasn't anyone? Which is why I'm skeptical of him being gay because well, I don't skeptical. believe. Yeah. I don't believe we live in a world where you can keep something like that that a secret when you're yeah. that with that much of a spotlight on you. I'm a big believer in if it requires more than two or three people to keep the secret, it's not real. Mm. Um, and so that's, I, I, I never say never. Yeah. Um, but that's why I was a little skeptical of this sort of this, this online movement yeah. out Lindsey Graham's, uh, uh, interest in, in sex workers, because I just yeah. was like, Hey, if it's more than like one or two favorites that he has, if they're talking everyone and there was, I think one line was like every sex worker in DC knows Lindsey Graham. I'm like, yeah. I don't know if I buy it. Yeah. Like someone at some point would have, you know, you know, been like, hey, well, I'm going to blog about this shit. Yeah, of course. <laughs> he's, he's got he's got a ward on his ass, and yeah. and here's the proof. And <laughs> apparently, he was calling it. I mean, again, I think the person who said this then said that they made it up, but there was a whole rumor a rumor about him having uh, pock marks or or, or p- uh, pimples and calling them his ladybugs, which sounds <laughs> literally like something Brent would make up. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Crazy thing is, here's and this is this is just I'm just kind of hedging my bets. In the off chance this ends up to be true and it does kind of become something of a scandal, I think I'm just saying I could be wrong. I've been wrong a million times. I actually think it would help him because I think, in particular, very conservative Republicans who might not necessarily be inclined to vote for a gay person would be irritated at the hypocrisy of the left by always kind of sheltering the gay community, but then like they would view it as we're kind of outing him and we're mm-hmm. making fun of him. So I think the right in South Carolina would potentially rally around Lindsey Graham. I could see it. And still vote for him, even if they find his behavior detestable, because it's like, well, fuck you. Don't tell us we can't vote for this guy who largely says what we want him to say and just because he hires a bunch of I mean the I weird know. thing the weird thing about South the South Carolina sort of GOP party is that they're very conservative but at the same time it's the south and it's this and it's sort of just like this weird they have a weird way of working and so they allow certain things that other republicans wouldn't normally allow you know what i mean it's they, uh, they, i mean he keeps winning there yeah yeah south carolina I mean, yeah, he's big. Well, I want to say before we move on to Lady Gaga, just because I know everyone at home is going to be hearing that 
we are recording from Zoom, and so we hear police sirens, and there's there's protests happening outside. So there's lots of excess noise that you might hear in the background. Don't worry, it's not like a it's not Brent's weird sort of calming device to hear <laughs> to hear a sound machine as police sirens. It is actually happening here in Los Angeles. <laughs> oh God, sorry, I don't know what I, I think. I think my neighbor just like nailed up a poster or something. Oh, okay. we didn't, I didn't. I didn't hear that. I, I didn't hear anything. Police. Oh, it was I just pounding. Oh wow! Wow! Oh, I was so bad that I. Did. I was like, was I being too loud or something? I think it was just too <laughs> coincidental. Well, I was going to talk about the other Lady G. Yeah. Uh, because we've never really talked much about Lady Gaga on this show, mm-hmm. um, and uh, <laughs> what do you? What do you? Sorry, hear, I just like I heard another slam. I just have my headphones on. It's fine. Oh my god! It's like you're in a um, a game of Clue. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, I was just saying, we've never really talked about a lot about Lady Gaga on the show. And, you know, because Chromatica came out last week, <laughs> and, oh, okay. uh, you know, she's so, um, she's been so, instru- it, it, not instrumental, but so at the center of queer pop culture for, honestly, at this point, almost f- 15 years. I mean, maybe like 13, 14 years at this point. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to see what you guys where you, uh, if and what you take from Lady Gaga and if she's, you know, there's a whole, I mean, she has a whole history I could talk about. She really did get her start in gay clubs and she was, you know, very, er, very early on, like an advocate for queer rights, you know, from the go. And she, you know, did the National Quality March on on Washington and gave that speech. Mm-hmm. Um, she wore the meat dress to the VMAs in um to talk to, to protest, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, she uh, obviously born this way was a huge record um, and became sort of like a rallying cry for queer culture at the time. Um, and still, you know, still see, sounds like that to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, she's, she is who she is. And um, I'm just curious if she has had any impact on you or if she's at all shaped your your gay experience, your gay personality, that part of you. I, I, I Brent, do you want me to go? Because I have a feeling you uh, have nothing to say here. I have, I have little <laughs> um, to add, right? Uh, I she didn't. She hasn't shaped my gay experience because I think I am too old for her to have done that. Um, I, like I, you know, I was already a like an adult, like fully formed gay adult when she came on the scene. So I, I wouldn't say that she has impacted my gay experience. However, I will say that I think she has been probably arguably the biggest leader in the entertainment community for LGBTQ people for someone who isn't, I mean, I, I think she maybe describes herself as queer, but she's, she's a straight woman for the most part, let's be real. And, and she has really been a huge advocate. And I think that, you know, she didn't have to, I mean, you could make the argument that maybe she used it to benefit her second album. Was it her second album, Born This Way? Maybe that was her third album. Third I don't know. Album, yeah. Like she used the gay community to sort of get listeners and everything. But I think over the years, you've we've seen that she's actively put her money where her mouth is. And she's gone out of her way to really sort of be inclusive to the queer experience in a lot of different ways. And so yeah. I, you can't you can't not applaud that. Oh, of course. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, you know, geopolitically, I love Lady Gaga. I just, I don't know. I just don't. You just don't like, I, like her I stuff. I loved, I loved her first album, Poker oh. Face. You did? You I loved her first album? Just Dance. Is that the first that one or was that the second one? First one. I mean, I still listen to some of her bigger songs. Mm-hmm. Paparazzi's fine. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't associate with liking, uh, you know me, I have very bizarre taste in music. So I don't associate with liking someone's new album or buying their album just because in 2009 I found them, you know, inspirational. Uh, and so, you know, so in that sense, I mean, I'm sure she's, she's an icon and will continue to be, but I mean, doesn't do anything Wait, for me. Did you guys see, have you, I know Brent, you haven't, but Alan, did you see her live at all? Mm-hmm. I've seen Where'd her live s- a few times. I saw her in New York years ago when she was doing a born this way or, whatever con- whatever album that was i don't know you know me i hate music um and and then there was another time when she was doing something for joanne i saw in new york as well even though i was living in la i was just happened to be in new york um yeah i've seen her a few times and i saw her at some fundraiser too years ago for the lgbt center here in los angeles uh where she gave sort of like a private performance for like a hundred people and i know the organizers of the event 
usually when celebrities do those things, there's a there's a per diem or something they get to be a part of the event or something, even if it is a fundraiser. Yeah. She didn't get anything. She got nothing. That's very cool. And yeah, that's great. She, she came in and she did it. And it what was, about you, Elliot? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a fan for sure. Um, I have a bizarre very unique relationship with her because I went to school with her and oh, we right. were not fr- we weren't NYU, friends. NYU. Yeah. We weren't friends or anything, but at the time, because we sort of crisscrossed in like the NYU music world, uh, I thought she was so annoying. She was always like playing piano, like no shoes on, like doing yeah. Tori Amos stuff. And it was just yeah, like, right. it was a lot. And she, but to that point, she was, she was relentless and she was yeah. everywhere and played music all the time. But I will tell you, and it hasn't changed since day one, I could not, I could not believe in 2008 or 2009 on Facebook when somebody posted the video to Just Dance and somebody else was like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, I've never heard, I don't know who Lady Gaga is. And they were like, that's Stephanie, that's Stephanie. Stephanie <laughs> and I was like, what? And that so, so from that point on, it's not that I thought she was false. It's not that I thought she was faking it, but there was, it was just an odd, I never knew her to be like that, you know, mm-hmm. to be eccentric or to be the artsy one. Mm-hmm. Um, and to watch her spin, like turn into this, this sort of Bowie-esque character was kind of like, a, a, a joke and I didn't know how long it would last but that being said I was quickly proven wrong and yeah. you know I I do enjoy a lot of her music I also find it like I do I still find her music to be odd in that it kind of it kind of like um doesn't follow regular pop trends per se you know she mm. does have her own sound um mm. but you know even whether or not like back in the day if she was if she was queer baiting which I think I used to I used to kind of feel like, oh, she she's queer baiting and right, trying to, right, like fill that space. But like Alan said, she's really put her money where her mouth is and yeah. proven herself to be a true ally to the community in a way that not everybody does. Yeah, um, and also, but I will say, Chromatica is excellent. I really so, like. I can't get. Yes. It. I, mean, I listened to it and I was just like, I don't know what I like from this. I mm. really like it. I really, yeah. I really like it. So Lady Gaga, if you're listening, and I, I hope, I know she is in my heart of hearts. I know she's listening. If you're listening, three thumbs up. <laughs> what would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? Your Uncle Hamilton has ladybugs. <laughs> oh, oh no um my aunt joanne who is a uh racist uh cartoon at this point based on my uh, uh my impression would say can you choose jewish on grinder <laughs> how about aunt she's not racist she's not racist she's just extremely pro-jewish bro very pro yeah very pro-jewish <laughs> loves the jews my aunt Anne would say there you go a challenge again making things uncomfortable you did it when you were a child you're doing it now mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's what keeps the podcast fun <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening uh and everybody stay safe i'm elliot glazer I'm Brent Sullivan. I'm H. Allen, Lady G. Scott. Ew. Oh, I thought it was Ladybugs. <laughs>